your performing is, you know, per, uh, percentage wise is very small compared to the time you spend in the studio um, working and exploring and honing and, and trying to get everything just, just right. Um, and so if you don't enjoy that process, you, you, you should, that's where you should reconsider. Welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balance Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Hello, hello everyone. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm really excited to share that today's episode is proudly brought to you by MDM Dance. And I couldn't think of really a more perfect company for the very first Balance Ballerinas collaboration. MDM Ballet shoes have been on my feet for as long as I can remember. Probably at least six plus years, actually. You see, back when I first opened my studio, Joseph Brown, who you may know as Patrick from the TV show Dance Academy, approached me about this new pair of ballet shoes that are going to change the way that children dance. And you see, MDM have taken this guerrilla approach to marketing their product, speaking directly with the studio owners and ballet teachers to try, test, feel, and see how amazing the shoes are for themselves. And not only do I love this strategy, I love the product. It really speaks for itself. They really are like no other ballet shoe. And I guess that's why I've waited so long to collaborate with the sponsor because I wanted to make sure that I already loved the product and thought everyone in the Balanced Ballerinas community would too. In fact, most of you already do. And I know a lot of my adult ballerinas and younger students wear MDMs already. And it's really nice because I feel like they're making a choice which is fantastic for the health of their feet. So what's in this collaboration for you? Well, we have a giveaway. I'm really excited to share that MDM for the next few months are giving away a beautiful pair of ballet shoes each fortnight when a Balanced Ballerinas podcast episode drops. How do you enter? Simply follow at Balanced Ballerinas on Instagram, which of course you already do. You also need to follow MDM Dance. They're just at MDM Dance. And you need to comment with the code word on the episode's Instagram post. So you know when I put up a piece of artwork for each episode with the guest picture? Okay, that's the one that you are going to pop this code word on for your chance to win. So comment with the word. I'm keeping it really simple to start with. I might get more adventurous as we go along. Plie. Now, amongst all that exciting news, of course I have an exciting guest and conversation to share with you all. Bill Piner graduated from Butler University's prestigious dance program in 1982 and had a wide and varied professional performing career with companies such as Ballet Austin, the Hartford Ballet and Dance Kaleidoscope, Indiana's 
only professional modern company. And as a member of the Actors' Equity Association, Bill also enjoyed a career in musical theatre before retiring to direct Ballet Austin Academy. He's been teaching extensively since 1982, so he's a wealth of knowledge, including seven years on faculty of Butler University's Jordan College Academy of Dance in Indianapolis. In 1992, Bill was appointed director of the Ballet Austin Academy, and under his direction, the Academy has grown to become one of the largest classical ballet schools in the country. With this in mind, I had a conversation with Bill about cultivating a healthy space for younger dancers, how to balance the uniformity of studying ballet while still ensuring students be strong individuals, and how to balance teacher, student, and parent expectations. We spoke about many other things, but you'll have to have a listen to find out. And once again, this week's episode is an international one done via the web, so you'll have to bear with the quality, but it's a great conversation and I'm sure you're all going to really enjoy it. As you'll hear, Bill is a very busy man, so I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Bill for taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to have a chat with me. Enjoy. The Balanced Ballerinas podcast is proudly supported by MDM Dancewear, the company that has developed the world's most advanced footwear for dance. If you're wanting to be your best, or perhaps one of the very best, make sure you've tried MDM for ballet, contemporary, or jazz. MDM, engineered for expression. To give our listeners, especially in Australia, some perspective, Ballet Austin is the 12th largest classical ballet company in the US. But Ballet Austin isn't just simply a company. You have dance and fitness classes for the general public, community engagement workshops and programs, Pilates, mm-hmm. and of course, the academy in which mm-hmm. you are the director of. So Could you share with everyone what the role of Academy Director at Ballet Austin entails? And because under your direction, the Academy has grown to over 800 students. Is that correct? Yes, including um, our summer intensive programs, um, which we draw on from around the the world, um, and then our our programming during the school year. Uh, We are a a fairly traditional uh, ballet academy. Um, in that number is uh, our, our students that go all the way down to um, age three um, and then up through high school. Um, for us, that's a, about age 18. Um, the, after the academy experience, we have the Butler Fellowship Program, which is a post-high school program um, that's not um, considered part of the academy anymore. Um, it's fully underwritten um, by the generous uh, generosity of um, a couple of um, wonderful donors, uh, Dr. Ernest and Sarah Butler. And then beyond the next step from that is Ballet Austin 2. It's our um, paid apprentice company and then the main company, of course. Um, and so those um, entities sort of um, bridge the gap between the true academy, the, the, um, the school, and then the professional company. Um, and I'm responsible for the, the school. Um, and so we have two primary programs. Uh, the school year, um, again, it's a, you know, for us, it starts um, right after the, the first week of late of uh, September and goes through the end of May. So f- during those nine months, and then we have our summer intensive program where we audition around the United States and we have students who um, 
do video auditions from around the world. In fact, we had someone from Australia last year come up uh, for the program. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah. And so my role is really just uh, managing pretty much all of that, uh, just making sure, um, you know, I, I uh, have some, a couple of curriculum directors that work um, with me and the faculty to make sure um, we have a, a real uh, consistent and cohesive approach to the classwork, um, both in content and methodology. Uh, then I've also um, oversee all of the administrative side to make sure that, um, you know, I, uh, we're budgeting correctly and the marketing is what it needs to be and all of that. So I, I kind of bridge both of those worlds um, to make sure that everything um, is operating um, correctly. Wow, that is a big job. <laughs> you must be one very busy man. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little busy, but I like being busy, so it, it's yeah, good. <laughs> I think it's a dancer mentality. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Yeah, before we go any further, um, I'd love you to share a little bit about yourself and your own dance journey. Uh, well, I started uh, relatively late for a lot, like a lot of um, guys in my generation. I am uh, just had a, a birthday. I just turned 61. Um, so I've been around a while. and But I did um, get a lot of my training in at the college level. Um, and then I performed for about 10 years um, in uh, ballet companies, modern companies. And I also did um, dabbled in musical theater in my um, breaks of the summer. Um, so I had a lot of um, performing, a pretty varied performing career, uh, that, which led me to Ballet Austin. My, my last job performing was with Ballet Austin. And then uh, the opportunity to transition into this job actually um, happened while I was here. I'd only been dancing here a year, but the... Um, academy director at that time was uh, ready to retire and so the opportunity came up so i uh i was offered it and took took the, the position and that's been 27 years ago i guess so i've been here a little while wow so you were only in the company for a year and then you were offered the position of director. correct here yes at ballet austin that's correct was it a hard decision were you ready to give up the stage um, you know, is that ever an easy decision? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I was relatively young. I was only 33 and I still felt healthy and good and no injuries and all of that. And, and yeah, it took me a little while to, to think about it because I felt like I was still growing and improving and had a lot to learn and all of that kind of stuff. So as long as, you know, that's where you are in life, it's usually, um, you know, a good place to be. Um, but at the same time, I was also 33. And I also knew um, that uh, to stay in the industry, I, I probably had, um, you know, more long term, I this was probably going to be a much better opportunity for me, because it um, was going to uh, give me a, a, a position of leadership, um, which I um, also enjoy. Um, a lot of challenges and again, new, new things to learn and grow. And, um, and I was very fortunate um, and, and Ballet Austin has been very fortunate to be um, continue on a very, you know, nice progressive growth um, track and, and along with the city of Austin. And, and so we've been very uh, fortunate to be, um, to have good people and be in a good city and um, keep trying to, find new ways to uh, be relevant and reach audiences. And of course, training and, and being that um, 
that aspect in the lives of young people um, is also something I, I've found very, very fulfilling. So I've, I've been very lucky. Yes, speaking of um, your leadership, I believe you're very passionate about our cultivating a healthy, dense culture at Ballet Austin. So what's the Ballet Austin environment and culture like? Well, again, we're fortunate because it's it's a it's a um, from the top leaders all the way through the the organization. It's very um, important to have um, the a, a, an environment and a culture of respect um, and uh, you know the sort of a service leadership kind of mentality and where it's. Um, less dictatorial <laughs> in some way, you know, and more of um, uh, a, uh, an environment of, of creativity and working hard and working together um, to reach goals. Uh, the um, Stephen Mills, our, our artistic director, is also a teacher. Um, uh, Michelle Martin, the associate artistic director, is also the curriculum director of the academy. Um, and, and they're both teachers. And so to have the top artistic leadership understand the art of teaching and the importance of, of um, strong school and, and, and all of that is very um, helpful and very important. Um, he's also a choreographer. So um, he, it's a very collaborative environment um, with, with the dancers, um, with the teachers. And then that sort of really sets the, the stage for the entire organization and how we want to work with um our parents, our students, our dancers, uh, the community at large. Uh, you mentioned the Butler Center for Dance and Fitness and how that's really grown um, because we're really, um, we try to reach into all aspects of our community and, um, ex you know, give the experience of not only viewing dance and experiencing that way, but um, participating and, and getting that opportunity to, to see um, what it feels like and what um, that, you know, that, uh, you know, that type of experiences is uh, so uh, energizing for people. We have um, aging programs in the Butler Center and we have, um, you know, just, just all sorts of different programs that really try to provide something for a, as large of audience as we can, because we um, really love the art form that we um, have been a part of and we want to um, share that with as many people as possible. So it's really a, a wonderful culture of, of um, understanding and respect and inclusion, uh, really just trying to welcome as many people um, as possible um, into the doors, into the studios, and hopefully into the seats at the theater to, to really um, experience uh, what it can uh, be like to um, have a, a work in front of you that challenges you to uh, think a little bit differently uh, or just, you know, enjoy, um, uh, you know, stimulate some conversations and some new ways of, of uh, looking at, at the world. Uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity. And um, I feel very fortunate to be in a place where that is uh, at the forefront of everything we, we engage in. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing place. I mean, one thing I noticed during my own research into Ballet Austin before our interview was truly how 
phenomenal the institution really is, I found whilst perusing all parts of the Ballet Austin website and social media that your faculty and the company members and the students are really intertwined. Like the academy seems to provide a space for the company members to have teaching careers if they want and the company provides a professional setting for the students to perform and be part of you know, large-scale productions and everything in between. And I think in our industry... It's incredibly difficult, um, you know, unless you're in a top-tier company to sometimes just be a dancer and you have to wear many hats and are often having to drive from venue to venue between performing and teaching and perhaps mm-hmm. juggling multiple jobs to afford a life. But the ballet business model seems to provide everything under one roof, which is amazing. And I guess what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that Ballet Austin kind of deserves a big round of applause for pulling off such an incredible feat, which I understand and know to be very difficult. Um, It just must be amazing working in such an established and um, I guess the right word is opportunity-driven institution. It, it is. And it's, it's very, um, and again, every, everyone that does work in all the different aspects are very deserving. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people from the company that do teach because they have uh, expressed an interest and then they've put in the training and they've really, you know, they immerse themselves in, in, um, you know, the approach that, you know, stylistically and all of that, as far as just, you know, the basic curriculum and technique and all of that. But again, they understand, um, you know, more, even more deeply the the culture and really what we're wanting um, the experience to be um, for the student and for the parent and for, you know, really everyone. Uh, so it's, it is, um, you know, there, a lot of us have been here, you know, you know, as long as I have, um, in, in administration, um, a lot of the dancers, uh, it's not a company where there's a lot of transition. I, I, when I was dancing, I know there was, a, you know, you know, back in the eighties, it seemed like pretty much it was way more common for dancers to have, you know, a year here, a couple of years in that company and, you know, sort of did a lot of that. And, you know, here people, um, not only tend to, you know, have their full career in the company or, you know, teaching or in when they, that transition, if they transition to another um, profession or another, you know, activity afterwards, I mean, Austin is just a, a wonderful, one of those destination places that people tend to um, have a hard time leaving because it's a, it's a wonderful city um, and, and a great, um, you know, culture there as well. Very open, very, um, accepting and and um, it's just uh, uh, one of those places that you um, really feel pretty welcome about you know and it, it, it's uh, it's you know it's you know, I I'm yeah I don't have plans on leaving anytime soon. <laughs> it's really special. It sounds like a big one stop shop. <laughs> well, it can be. Yes, it really we we do try to to make that. Now, Bill, you've been teaching since 1982. What are some unsafe or negative practices that you've seen emerge um, and would perhaps like eradicated within our industry? Well, you know, I, I, I think that the thing that I see that's really positive um, is more and more in our industry, the real honest effort to make things more and more positive. Um, and we, um, there's a, through Dance USA, we have um, an affinity group for the, the school directors. So for 
pretty much all, you know, all the dance companies in, in North America. We've even have some um, that have come over from some of the European companies and schools. Um, and when we get together and talk about things, I mean, people are really genuinely wanting to grow and evolve not only the, the teaching, but the art form itself and, and be as relevant as possible. And just, um, you know, so I, I'm very heartened by um, my experiences with my colleagues, not only here at, at Ballet Austin, but in the industry at, at, um, as a whole. There's, um, you know, there's really, really, really heartfelt efforts to um, look at, you know, the the practices that, um, you know, raised it's like, you know, parenting, you know, you, you, you come through, you know, you've, you've been raised a certain way, you've been trained a certain way. And, you, you know, you can just um, replicate that when it's your turn when you're in that role, or you can really think about what um, you can do better, and how you can improve on on achieving your goal. And for me, whenever I conference with a parent or a student, um, I start the conference with letting them know and assuring them that we are all, we all have the same goal. And that's for that individual student to achieve his or her um, ultimate, you know, the, the, their, um, their personal best. And um, sometimes that means taking a path that goes one direction. Sometimes it takes a different path. Um, you may need to spend a little bit more time in this level working on this particular aspect of your technique, but it's all, you know, it all needs to be framed in a, in a positive. And generally speaking, everyone understands that, you know, we're wanting to make sure that everything is approached in a healthy way. Um, but it's also um, really important to, um, you know, push and, you know, try to, to reach, you know, the highest level that you, that you're capable of. And then also just keeping in, in mind, um, everything that you've, you know, all of your assets you have to work with and all of the things that are, you know, maybe more of a challenge for you and just being as open and honest about all of those things. So we can work together on how to, um, reach your, your, your fullest potential. Um, and that I think, I see more and more um, in the industry, which I think is is only a positive. Definitely. Um, speaking of conferencing with parents, I think the director of an academy or a finishing school or pre-professional program, whatever you want to call it, um, is extremely difficult. You're essentially responsible for students' outcomes that can change the course of their life. It's a hard juggle managing expectations. What is your response? students and parents when you are in these conferences about if they want to enter this industry in a professional capacity? Well, I always um, try to start with a reality check um, yep. because it, it, it's, you know, and, you know, the a sports analogy is often one of the easiest ones for people to identify with where you're, you know, you've, uh, especially when you're talking with the dads and, and, or, you know, they have students in, that are in, you know, soccer or football or whatever they've got. You say, you know, you understand that, you know, you, everyone, you know, you, you start activities as a child and there's things that, that you sort of win your heart and you really want to do and you may or may not be suited for that particular activity. And even if you are, I mean, that's the thing that I, I, you know, if you've got all of the facility, you've got the, the best training and you've got all of these things going for you, 
you're all at the end of the day, it's, it's a subjective art form. It, the, the jobs are few and far between. Um, you know, I just, you know, in, in an, uh, is it not undiscouraging if that's a word <laughs> way I try to let them understand that it is not the easiest, um, career path, but it can be one of the most rewarding. Um, and knowing that, you know, nothing I say can dissuade some people and that's good. That's a good thing. And I, and it's, you know, I often say too, which I think is probably true fairly industry-wide is they're often, most of the people that actually dance professionally have probably had at least one teacher in their past tell them to quit because they don't have what it takes. Um, and often that's the, 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 the dancer that's like, you know, says, Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well let me, you know, he gives them what they need to, um, to push through some of the difficult times and, and really, you know, gives them that extra uh, push to, to really, uh, you know, excel if they can. Um, so I, you know, it's just, I try to help them keep things balanced. I try to help them, um, make a plan, um, many plans, um, as far as, you know, not just having one particular goal in mind, but really thinking about, um, all of the different, uh, options that may come your way uh, because every path there's no, I really don't think there's any such thing as a, a straight path to a particular goal. You really, there's oftentimes doors closed that make you go around and find a different entry into um, maybe it's not the company that you expected, but you get an offer from a different company and, or that may lead you to a city that takes you in a whole nother direction. And, and I mean, you just have to be as open to all the opportunities that come your way and um, try, try to be, uh, try everything and really just uh, don't limit yourself. Um, which sometimes, you know, in, you know, the classical ballet world, because it's very specific, you you do have to approach your work in, in a very specific way. Um, so it can tend to lead to having sort of a narrow vision, um, you know, as when you're inside, when you're the dancer. Um, so you have to um, always work, you know, to continue, yes, having a very strong focus in, in one particular goal, but yet you can't lose sight of all the other things that are going around, uh, going on around you and, and seeing what may just be happening just outside of your, your vision, just in your periphery a little bit and, and, and maybe taking notice of that as well. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a challenging, it's a, it's a, it's a hard industry, but you know, I was told many times to, to stop. I started too late. I, you did this, you did that. And I, I, I was one of the lucky ones. I was in the right place at the right time. I got a job. I got an opportunity. I, you know, and, um, and I'm still, I'm still here. So it's, it's, it, you know, that that's one of the, you know, reasons I, I hate to ever tell anyone to, you know, to not try because, you know, you, you need to try. <laughs> Definitely. And I think it's really important to remind parents and students that a plan and a goal can change. There's room for deviation. And I think sometimes, and I guess it's that dancer's mentality again. And I know I, myself as a young dancer was very much like this. I had one goal. It was, there was no mm -hmm. plan B for me. I was like, that's my goal. And that's where I'm going. And if there was any mm -hmm. kind of negative feedback in regards to that goal, 
I, I had no room for, for deviating. <laughs> and so right. it's important for students and parents to remember that it's really healthy to reevaluate plans too. But I think the way our culture is going is it's much more acceptable um, to reevaluate goals, so which is really good. But um, I was wondering, do you find in a world, speaking of goals, where everyone's told that they can be whatever they want and to aim really high, that sometimes there's a real disconnect between the student's goal and perhaps the work ethic or laser focus that's required of that goal? To me, and one of the things we, we really try to drive home with our faculty and our students and our parents, it's, it's the work. Yeah. That is important, not necessarily the goal. Um, and it, it's that process. Um, and, you know, that has to be what is gratifying. Um, because, you know, in a concert dance world, whether you're, you know, ballet or modern or whatever you, wherever, if you're dancing in that, um, in that uh, frame, your performing is you know, per, uh, percentage wise is very small compared to the time you spend in the studio, um, working and exploring and honing and, and trying to get everything just, just right. Um, and so if you don't enjoy that process, you, you, you should, that's where you should reconsider and really think about it because it's really, um, and that's the thing I loved, you know, when I was dancing, I, I, I loved um, when new work was being set on, on me and, and the, the company or when, you know, you know, it, that process of collaboration and working as a team with your partner or with a group or with the choreographer and, and, and finding that, um, that having that goal of, of creating something um, and, that was very fulfilling for me. And then having, then getting the opportunity to perform it and then having um, a reaction from even just one person that, that um, was moved or was, you know, laughed or, or whatever reaction you were hoping they got um, to see that that actually um, had an impact on someone. I mean, what more can you hope for? I mean, that's, and so that's, you know, I, I so for for me, I, I think I don't know. I just I, I think there there's absolutely that uh, that um, chance for people to just have uh, for have that experience you, you mentioned. But we we really try not to um, dwell on that aspect and really focus, especially in the school part where we're really working on on that process and letting them understand that. Um, it's a process and sometimes things move quickly and sometimes it's a slow, hard slog and, and, and you just have to be in, in that moment and, and keep, you know, reaching for that next step, that next level up and knowing that step by step, level by level, you, you hopefully, you know, you know, get to um, a place where you're, you know, you're, more fulfilled and you feel like you've you're achieving and you're growing and and you're learning new things um I think enjoying the hard slog and learning to love that is so important it's such a good message because I think whether you're a dancer or whether you are running a small business or whatever you're doing in life yeah the goal is so small compared to the hard slog because if you don't enjoy that it's going to be a really long ride isn't it (laughs) 
Exactly. Exactly. And, the, and again, that, that ties back into just life, you know, life skills, which is, you know, one of the biggest things I want to provide um, that, that there's, there's so many aspects of um, training in this way that you, that just translate to every aspect of, of, you know, again, like I said, regardless of what you ultimately end up doing, as you know, a profession or, or as an avocation or a vocation. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it, you take those lessons with you and you, the, you know, the students we have that, you know, go on, they tend to be successful in whatever it is that they, they um, strive for because they've, they've learned, like I said, how to put, put in the work, put in the effort and, and, and stay focused and, and, um, and enjoy that, that, uh, that hard slog has. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, I have a question I personally really wanted to ask you. I was wondering, how do you balance the formality and uniformity of ballet with the, the concept of individualism and especially dealing with students, finding and being yourself, obviously, a certain aesthetic is required to be a classical ballerina and even within choreography frameworks, you know, uniformity and light mm-hmm. and everything and the movement structure is, I guess, designed, unless you're performing a lead role, to be uniform. So do you often think, as I do, about how to foster someone's uniqueness and individualism in the uniform world of ballet? Yeah, and, and again, we're fortunate because... Um, the 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 company so you know you you it, when you're a, a, an official school of a professional company you've you've got that um, huge asset um, and we can look to the company as our as our example and for um, our company we've got very they can work well together and look uniform but at the same time each of the dancers are very unique um, they. Um, Stephen is very um, about movement and quality as well as just um, the the shapes and the architecture. So it, it's it's all encompassing. And so each of the dancers have that ability to stand out as well as to blend and work as a group. So having that as an example helps you as a, as a teacher um, underscore the importance of, because without um, a strong, foundation without all of the alignment and the placement and the repetition and and the on and on and on that you have to um, go through as a, as a dancer from the time you start until the time you you step off the stage for the last time that that um, effort has to be there to make sure that you've got the technique the foundation to then be able to express yourself in an artistic way and, and in a movement quality way. And in, you know, that individual, you know, individualism and individuality can come forth after you've had all of the, the framework and, and the foundation laid. So it, it helps um, us to be able to say, you know, you've, you know, you, there, it's, you know, the corps de ballet, it's the body, everything is about this body and the body has to have a really strong, firm foundation. And you need to learn how to be part of the body before you can 
grow into the, you know, the head or, you know, or where you are the, the part that's on top that, 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 or that's, you know, that has the, the featured part or, or, or whatever. You have to understand that that core and that, that structure and that uniformity and all of that not only is, um, it's important for your individual foundation to be able to do the things that um, you want to be able to do to become uh, known for a certain individual quality, um, whether it be someone who turns well or, you know, jumps well or has, you know, the most beautiful portabra or, I mean, you know, it, everyone has different things that sort of stand out when they are able to develop that. But that's, you know, that's, further down the road. That's a very, uh, you know, that's one of those artistic things that come at the same time. You want to make sure that you have those, those elements in the early training as well. I, I teach seven-year-olds and, you know, we have to have that moment where they go across the floor and they're skipping and they're, you know, and they get to, you know, swing your arms, you know, and the way you swing, you know, go. And so they have that ability to have that freedom and that expression. And then we come back to the bar and we work on how, you know, how to stand up straight and, and work on proper alignment, all that kind of stuff. So that balance has to start in the early stage and go all the way through. Um, and if you, you know, can, you know, find a good way to express the importance of all of it, um, that's, that, that's what you have to do. Definitely. That's a great message. I, um, I'm enjoying this conversation just personally as a teacher, because I'm finding some real gems in here. You're <laughs> um, yeah, <it's> great. <laughs> wondering, speaking of being a teacher myself, with over 800 students that you have, how do you ensure you're connecting? Obviously, you, you don't teach personally teach all of them. You couldn't possibly <laughs> in your week. No. No, but how do you ensure that you're connecting with all the students in the academy and making sure that everyone's, I guess, satisfied with with um, the teaching and the skills that they're receiving? Well, I try to make sure, and you're right, with with a school that size, um, and being you know the administrator, it, you know, like the principal of the school or whatever. I mean, it's there's you know there's sort of steps between you and, you know, the, whatever, the, you know, three degrees of separation or whatever <laughs> and between you and then, you know, the, you know, the registrar and also the instructors and so forth and so on. I um, always try to make sure they understand that I have an open door. If they have any kind of issue or any kind of question, um, there's nothing that's, that's, uh, there's no, no, uh, uh, wrong questions, no bad questions, no, you know, nothing that I, I don't want to answer if needed. Um, if you're running, you know, if you're having good connection with your teachers and you're having really good communication and, and, and because everyone, we really do work hard so that, um, there's a real cohesion, um, so that, all the teachers, we have a, a set syllabus that, that, that they work from. So if they're, you know, with um, this teacher's level one versus another teacher's level one, at the end of the year, they're going to have have achieved the same, um, hopefully closely, the same level of proficiency. So if you're working like that, um, there's usually not that many issues that you need to address. So um, 
And then, you know, they, they get communications from me. They see me, they, you know, see me at the performances at the end. I'm in the hallways. I start, um, once we start Nutcracker, our, our level two dancers who are age nine, um, that's there, that's the entry level part for the students of, of an angel. So that's one of the parts that I rehearse on the weekend. So I get an opportunity to get to meet them at that, you know, get to know them a little bit better and, and talk to the parents a little bit more that way. So, um, you know, there, so there are things that I do. Um, like I said, you can't do everything, but but there are, are ways of um, letting people know that um, I'm an open and accessible person, um, A. And then beyond that, just um, trying to get out of my office a little bit <laughs> as much as I can and walk walk through the halls and get into the studios and, and um, a little bit like that as well. But I mean, as you've heard, it's there's a lot to do and it's, it's um, you know, just sort of, being behind the scenes, I enjoy as well. Um, I, I what didn't realize I, I would enjoy budgeting and all of the kind of things that I, I have to do. I mean, if you had told me that 30 years ago, I would have laughed, but um, <laughs> I do enjoy making, um, you know, making sure things are uh, as they should be and are, are running smoothly. Um, that uh, is a process that, that uh, is, is gratifying for me as well. I think you're right. Communication is key, isn't it? And I was wondering, though, do you have one day a week where you shut off? Do you have at least one day a week or are you a... <laughs> I try. <laughs> I try to. Um, yeah, no. Um, I'm yeah, I try. Boundaries. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, you know, it is one of those things that is, is there's, you're always planning for something. Um, so right now, you know, the audition tour has been booked and we've got to get all of that up and going because January and February is when all the school directors basically from all over the country are out doing auditions for the summer program. So, you know, all of the planning to get that going. Cause then we launched that right after the holidays in January, do that for two months and try to get everyone signed up. And then you're planning for the curriculum, you know, the, what's going to be um, taught at the summer program. And then while you're doing that, you're signing up, you know, people for the school year, as soon as May is finished, you've got to have that registration going. So it's, it's, it's a lot less seasonal than I thought it would be. Um, as far as, you know, Oh, you've got a school year, then you got a break, then you got to, you know, there's, yeah, there's not really any breaks. Um, but at the same time, yeah, at the same time, again, like I said, I, I, I like being busy and I, and I l love what I do. Um, so I, but I, at the same time, yes, I do try to, um, get a day, hopefully usually Sundays where I can, uh, shut off and not, um, and, and, you know, I, I'll take a day here and there. And I actually just got back from, um, about a week in Chicago, um, visiting. And, and so I do try to get a break here and there. So. <laughs> this is um, a good segue into the question that I ask all my guests. The final question is, what's your number one tip for leading a balanced life, Bill? <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I would be really interested to hear all the different answers you get <laughs> because it's so individual. For me, it's it, it's it's humor. Yeah, you you know, sometimes you know, life can be you know, especially this industry where you're really working um, very diligently and very internally, and there's there's so much focus that it takes. Um, at a, starting at a young age and, you know, you can, you can 
just get too serious about things. And, and it's just, you have to be able to laugh and you have to be able to, like I say, shut down sometimes, just go and go see a silly movie or, you know, or, and, and again, for me and what I try to help the students and the parents sometimes need to hear this as well is you just can't take yourself too seriously and you can't take, um, you know, you, you do need to, you know, have, you know, let, you know, you need to be focused. You need to do all those kind of things and, and work hard, but you can't, you can't just be all of that. You have to have a sense of, um, because it's, you know, I mean, you fall down or you trip or you, or, or you do, you do things that, I mean, that's life. And if um, you get upset about it, that just makes things worse. And so if it, you know, that's one of the things I really try and we, we have a pretty good sense here. Um, again, we've got, um, you know, from leadership on down, we have a really good um, sense of having a whole well person um, be in the studio, in the halls, in the office, um, sitting in the parent lounge and, you know, where, wherever you are and whoever you are, just, you, you just have to, you know, take a chance and, and smile sometimes. You know what, Bill, you're the first person to say humor as an answer to that question. I'm really? You are. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> you're so right, though. Like, ballet can be such, and dance training, such a intense and serious thing that it is really important to, you know, keep it real and have a laugh and... I always I have this little goal of trying to make the kids laugh at least once during class, especially yeah, if I'm no. grumpy at them. <laughs> it, it, yes, and I have to be careful though because I, you know, sometimes the kids are like, "Oh, he's the fun teacher," and you know, then they cut you. So then you're like, blah, 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 and I'm like, yeah. then we have to get serious. <laughs> so you can have a laugh, but you know, one laugh and then you're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I have the exact same thing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Bill. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, for me as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I I hope you have a wonderful Friday. We're on Friday Eve here, and um, I have actually an appointment i got to run off to here in a minute. But I really enjoy speaking with you. I I, I think it's the more you can – do what we do and do what you do as well to just, um, you know, get behind the scenes a little bit and sort of, you know, de uh, mystify a little bit sort of what it is we do in the process, because that is, is always helpful. I think for people to see that it's, it's, you know, a process that um, has a lot of benefits and that anyone should try and, 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 get something out of it. I really think everyone can, can get something out of, of good, strong training and um, in a good atmosphere where there's a lot of positivity. I think that's just, that's great. So I appreciate your, your um, trying to spread that message and, and, and helping people understand that. I, I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Oh, thank you. You just summed up what the podcast is all about. <laughs> oh, good, good. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you feel like you gained some value, I would love if you could leave a five-star review on your podcast app or even better, share it with a friend. It keeps a podcast alive 
and inspires me to keep creating quality content for you because this truly is a labor of love. Anyway, have a beautiful week, ballerinas, and feel free to connect with me on the Balanced Ballerinas Instagram or via our private community group on Facebook. Just search Balanced Ballerinas Community, hit join, and I'll be sure to approve you so you can find other like-minded ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. Thank you.